Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. How are we doing today? I'm good. I guess we're the only ones that didn't take uh, the long weekend and go on vacation, huh? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're the committed ones. Um, no, it's, well, too loud. Um, feels good to be here as always. Um, it feels good to have the opportunity to share God's word. Something that I love doing. It's a, a passion of mine to share, um, just the thoughts of where God takes me and just, um, being able to study God's word and going down different rabbit holes and you guys get to join me today. Um, so the, Something that's really been stirring inside of my mind, inside of my heart, as as we've been going through this this series. Like every time um, Brian or, or even when Ephraim was preaching, I get like all these little nuggets where I feel like, okay, God is kind of. I was telling Brian, like, hey, whenever you want me to go again, I'll go again because I feel like you guys are teeing me up for <laughs> um, with the just different things that God is laying laying on my heart. So what we're gonna do today is have just a a basic profound question that that God has been really taking me down it's like what is truth and and it's and we can go very very philosophical with this and I tend that's normally how I tend to go but um backing up from there is just really you know in the era that we in the times that we're living in it's just a question that's very very difficult to answer right now it's like because you can turn around like you have a lot of information um, right at the palm of your hand, right? And sometimes you don't know what, what to believe and not to believe. So I'm going to invite you guys um, to the book of John. Just, again, we're, we're going to really, the, the basis of the sermon is is Joshua. I know we're going through Old Testament characters, but I, I want to walk us through a, a dialogue um, that Jesus had uh, before he was crucified. So John 18, verse 33. Um, and, and really being that, just that dialogue, having that dialogue in the back of our mind as, as we ex- go explore God's word today. So if you guys go through to John um, chapter 18, verse 33, I'm just going to open up in, in a quick um, prayer and just get ready for today. Uh, Father, I thank you, God, for um, this group of committed people that still come to church on our first uh, long weekend as everything is <laughs> opening up back in our society father I, I i pray lord that as we get back to normalcy lord that um the one thing lord that just stir in our hearts father just to get people um to walk into the doors of, of our church father to get people to that that we may be that vector father that connects people to who you are lord that we be that light father god so i pray for our moment here today lord that we as we share in, in diving into your word, God, that, that your Holy Spirit opens our minds and more importantly, opens our hearts to the truth that you have for us today, Father. So I pray, Father, that you be with us in the name of your Son. Amen. So John 18, verse 33 to 38. It's a conversation that, that Jesus had with, with Pilate, right? You know, as he was going through all these trials before um, he was crucified. So verse 33 reads, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Answered, Do do you stay, do you, 
Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Keep that phrase in your mind, okay? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear the witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? So that's the question that for thousands of years, we're still trying to answer it, right? Like, what is truth? There is so much in, in just those simple words um, that, that drives many religions, that drives many ideologies, many philosophical thoughts. But yet, here we are, and humanity has the same basic question, what is truth? Um, and it just rem reminds me, you know, um, it it's kind of reminds me of that phrase, it's not what it seems. Like, have you ever faced a situation where, where you don't see the big picture, you don't see the whole picture? Um, there's times where God um, has, has taken me down these roads, and then, like, when you look through the, uh, the rearview mirror, like, you kind of see everything as you've gone through it. Like, I wish I would have seen all of this when, as I was walking through it. Or maybe um, our understanding, sometimes we, we think we know or see everything, but God takes us in different directions because a lot of times we don't see the whole picture, right? And so that, that, and that reminds me a lot when, um, back when I was still in, in the military. Now, that was a long time ago. I, I tend to measure my time um, from, it's been like over, over 10 years since I got out of the Marine Corps, but I tend to measure it more in the weight difference that I had versus time. <laughs> so that's like 40 pounds ago. <laughs> when I was still lean and, and, <laughs> and mean. Um, so 40 pounds ago when I still had a full head of hair and was 40 pounds lighter. So we, we used to do, I was in the infantry, right? So as cool as I thought that was going to be when I first signed up, Honestly, it's like 5% cool, 95% this sucks, right? Because you, go, they make you do what I felt, so many stupid things. Like, we used to run drills. Um, like, we carried rifles, right? But there was nothing in them. Like, we were running around with empty rifles, and they will make us, like, do the sound effects as the rifles were shooting or running around up and down. And, like, he sees me, now he doesn't. I'm hiding. And... So when you're first in there, you feel like, what's the purpose of all this, right? Like, we used to run drills, like, hear whistles, like, two shots, get down. And um, the worst one I used to hate is um, drills where two shots, you change a magazine, put another one in. And, but there's nothing in the rifle. Like, you would go bang, bang, get on, boom, bang, bang. <laughs> and, so you feel like this is ridiculous, right? Um, but as you go... Go, you don't realize this, especially with people that have already experienced the horrors of war, you know, or, or battle. They they push this stuff in you, and, and you don't understand, right? I'm 18, 19 years old. Like, I didn't. Um, but let me tell you, those drills come in handy <laughs> when you see the full picture of why you're doing what you're doing. 
And I feel this, this era that we're, we're living in, um, a lot of uh, philosophers, especially Christian philosophers, call this the post-truth era, right? Where, where objective truth is fading, right? We don't see the, the full pictures of, of facts of why things are, the, really why things are the way they are. It, it's more um, objective facts are less influential that, um, versus shaping opinion that, that it, it more appeals to personal beliefs and emotion, right? Like that's, that's really what we're, we're this generation, now I'm not going to say this generation, this time um, relies more on what we think is real or like what my emotions say. And this, this didn't, didn't happen overnight. This has been decades happening. We're, we're, and the sad part now that that has crept in into the Christian church. So now this ideology of, well, it's my truth. It's okay. God is loving. That that's it's prevalent, you know. And there has been so many different. Um, I remember when I was, I was taking uh, a couple um, apologetic classes, Christian defense. Um, there's been so many surveys, like Baylor Religion Survey. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of um, the Barna Group. They do a lot of um, survey within the Christian Church of what what people believe, um, and it's interesting because. We, we think, we tend to think that atheism, we're fighting against atheists. And, and really, atheism is only like 3% of the American culture. It's very, very small. Um, like, most Americans believe in God. At least on paper, they say they believe in God. Um, and, and every, but everyone has the, their own version of what God is. And as that idea has... Um, crept in even in in our in our church when i say our church i mean the big church right our and so it's really hard to determine like what what is normal anymore what is true now you combined decades of this happening and then everything seemed to explode this past year right like from um and it's really hard to navigate our society right now or or to to understand and if you think about everything that has been happening, just just take this past year from pandemic, riots, um, all the political goodness that's been going on. Um, what, what I feel and, and I've, these words that I've heard um, this pastor saying is really stood out to me because he so we are witnessing all is. In our culture is when humanity wants the kingdom without the king. So we're seeking front row seats. Like we, we want human flourishing. We want identity. We just don't want the king to tell us how to do it. And, and really what we're witnessing is, you know, a, the devolution of our culture um, that we, we want all the goodness of God without God, because God is the one that tells you how to obtain that goodness, how to live a, um, a flourishing life. And so if you really, if you really think about it, like if take, for example, um, the riots that were happening last year. Now, everything, being careful, racism exists, right? And, and it's very unfortunate the things that have happened in, in our culture. So 
But then you take on the other side of it, you take all the, the under a banner of justice, we're destroying other people's livelihoods. We're destroying homes. We're setting buildings on fire. So like we, we want everything. Um, and, and if we remember what happened, you know, during the, the elections, the interactions that happened there and that just how the political fervor just exploded and we witnessed people storming the Capitol. Like a lot of people, we would have never thought that that, that would have happened. Um, and, and even, and personally for me, like what, what breaks my heart, even during this pandemic, like we're more worried about mask wearing than the thousands of people losing their lives. Like we, we would rather fight um, for selfish, what I call selfish um, reasons and and now that that fights that bleeds over to and anything that's happening now like we we have um it's almost impossible not to choose a side right like everyone wants to take a stand for something and and then you're you're what side are you on like that's almost um <laughs> It's that reminded me because I, I I forget where I was and I saw I think actually out of all places I think it was going to work. I saw this guy had a shirt that says that said I identify as vaccinated. Like it's coming down to that where people <laughs> like that's one of the first questions like oh did you get the vaccine or did you not get the vaccine like we're placing our hopes in in crazy things like whatever it is that like you can't even make a decision for yourself like what's Good for you. Like, yes, I'm, I'm going to get vaccinated. Because now someone else that thinks completely different wigs out and flips out on you, right? Or vice versa. If you don't want to get the vaccine, someone wigs out on you. It's like, so you don't know exactly wh which side to pick. And, and really, like, for, for example, if and everything that's been going on, there's two sides. This is how I identify them. Either you have very far right-wing conservatives that blame the left, right? Um, blame what what they call the baby murderers um, and that they control the media, that they hijack, they think they hijacked an election, that they're Marxist, socialists, that everything's about race and they want to destroy um, our personal freedoms in the United States. And then you have the other side that you, that, um, where the, the, I'm going to call them the left, that think the other side is just a bunch of racists that want to control their, their power and their wealth. So it, it's, it's almost as in, in our time right now, it, the way everything, all the information is feeding to us, you have to ask yourself, is that really what's going on? Is this all the truth? Is this what's truth? Like as Christians... Do we really have to choose any of those two sides? Do, as Christians, is it wrong to say I'm a conservative? Or is it wrong to say I'm a Democrat? And depending on where you live, what church you go to, those, some of those statements can be wrong. Right? And so this is where I, I want you guys to turn to, um, to Joshua chapter 5. And really this is where we're going to land. Because it, it's, it's one... One thing I, I, I really want to get across is that no matter what side you, you find yourself um, you find yourself or you lean towards, you will always find evidence that you are right. 
you will find churches that will encourage you. You have pastors that, that will use the Bible to say, you're right. This is where, where God stands. Like they'll we'll start using God, the word of God to convince us that where we're standing is right. That God wants you there. You will find books to confirm your beliefs. You will always find, um, um, to that will not only confirm your beliefs, but that will acknowledge your fears as, as being justified. Um, so whatever you want to find, you will find evidence to support your team, right? So keep that in mind. So there, there has been a great, I won't call it a great deceit for you to choose which side of the spectrum you're in. And, and, and coming down to where, where I'm saying like this has crept into church, this has caused a lot of divisions, a lot of division within the church of God. And so, you know, and on top of that, you know, like we're, we're always on, on our phones, our devices, like you, it's crazy the algorithms that will always feed you the information that you want. Like you will never see the other side. It will just feed you the information that you, you want that you want to hear that reinforces what you already come to embrace. It was crazy. The other day I go, I was trying to buy, I was looking into buying a grill and I just Googled to look at different grills. And now I moved to my iPad and that's all I see is ads of grills. I moved to my computers, ads of grills. I'm like, it, it's crazy how much your phones, I swear they hear you too. Uh, <laughs> so you will always, you know what I mean? Like this, this is, these, this is the mess that we're in, right? This is the society that we live in. And I'm here to try to paint a picture that we go back to the very beginning when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Nothing that we see right now is what it seems. And we're, we have to ask ourselves the same question that Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? In Joshua chapter 5, just give you, uh, we're going to start in verse 13. Give you a quick background. So Joshua was um, Moses' successor. And not only was he Moses' successor, but he was one, one of the 12 spies that went into um, to look into the promised land. It was just him and Caleb that came back with a good report. The other 10 were scared and said, no, we shouldn't do this. And because of that rebellion, God made them walk around in circles for 40 years. And they were the only, the only ones, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones from the people that, were, um, that left Egypt that walked into the promised land. Everyone else was um, the next generation that, that came in. And as um, Joshua got the, the succession of, of the kingdom, if you think about it, Joshua has already been to war. He's already been in battles. There was battles left and right as um, Israel was walking around or as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. And so Joshua gets to uh, Mount Herob and he sees Jericho. He sees everything that they're going to have to to um, to do. And it's a big city for that time, right? So it's well-fortified city. And they're getting ready to go in, right? So, And one of the, 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 the repeating themes you see in the beginning of Joshua is God telling Joshua, don't be scared, be courageous. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. But as... Before we, you guys remember the story, if you guys read the story of Jericho, they walked around in circles for days and then the walls came tumbling down. But quick glimpse of right before that moment, 
Um, and this is something that, that has to stand out. Um, that I'm pretty sure Joshua was scared. Fortified city. Now he's, he's leading the nation. It's no longer Moses. Um, and now he has to go in there. So starting in verse 13, chapter 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to, your, to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals for your, from your feet, for this place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So at, as we're reading the, 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 the text in Joshua, is it easy to assume that God was with Joshua? Whose side was God on? Joshua, right? So what kind of question was that? He sees someone that he, he recognized, I'm pretty sure he recognized as being supernatural. Um, and what kind of question are you asking? Are you with me? But what was the response? I'm not. So he asked them, are you on my side? Or are you on our enemy or our enemy? He said, neither. So it, it, it's very interesting because it is easy to assume that God's on our side, right? We're Christians. He should be on our side. But is that, is that the, the true statement? Is God on our side to fulfill our agenda? Or is it the other way around? Because the response from, and, and just, it's hard not to go down this road, but if you notice, he fell on his face and worshiped, okay? Any angel that encountered worship, they tell, they say, don't do that. So this is a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ um, standing before Joshua. Same experience that Moses had, now Joshua is having. But it's very interesting where he said, I'm not for you, nor I'm for your enemies. So it's, it's kind of like there's a third team that we're not seeing here that it's in, in this world, it's we, we tend, especially as in American culture, we, we think that we're God, for some reason, we think we're God's chosen people and God's chosen nation. But it is backwards, people. We, we are here to serve him, not the other way around. It's super, like sometimes it's hard to um, wrap our, our head around where, where we feel, especially, like I said, in, in, the, in the American Christian church, it, it seems we, we feel like we're, we're doing God's work. And I'm not saying we're not, but what I'm saying is, especially in, in current times, we, we have fallen into, into the routine and the habits of what we see around us, right? And we kind of have to take a step back and see that this cannot be the way of the church. This, there, there's something much bigger going on in, that Josh, even Joshua didn't see. And, and it's, the same, it's the same for us. Okay, there's something bigger going on that we're not seeing. And if we look at throughout um, even church history, I'm going to say human history, even throughout the Bible, when, when humanity has fallen, and humanity has been broken. And, and God renews things and, and outpours His Spirit. 
when we see that over and over, it's always on the same foundation. There's something that stirs God to, to begin um, renewing things. And that foundation, we can see it over and over, and it's always prayer. When the church stands on the foundation of prayer, things change. And as we are faced with kind of the same situation, we have a, a, a mountain of problems, right? Where we don't know what's left and right, like which side to choose. We have to, in, in the experience that Joshua um, encountered, and when we go before God, it's like, what team are we on? Because you will always find evidence to support the team you want to be on. Or, or can it be that, we <clears throat> that there's a third team that God is calling us to. That there there's something bigger that that we're not seeing. And and as as we go through um through these changes, it's it's really important that we go back to to what's true. And we and go back to the, the first conversation. What is truth? There's only one objective truth here is God because he, he is the king that rules the kingdom. He is the one that tells you how, how things are functioning or things are, are happening. So the, the basis of um, when, when God moves in our midst is, like I said, it's the foundation of, of, of the church praying. So that's um, really our, our focus today is... Um, as I was thinking of all the other sermons that that, that um, were taught, one one thing that um, that Brian hit on last week is Nehemiah, and so even the the situation that Nehemiah found himself in. There's one, um, it was like five verses, less more than like eight verses, that Nehemiah said this prayer um, before anything happened, before he went to the king, before he moved to. Um, back went back to Jerusalem. He said this prayer, and I and I want to take that that foundation of um, that format of prayer to really move us to how things, um, how really really how we should come to God. Um, so if you guys will turn to to the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter one, there was a, a couple weeks ago. I think. Um, Brian mentioned something that, that really that really stood out to me. He, I think we were talking about missions, where where he said like God really we our hearts need to be broken towards towards missions, right? And and really that there's this word lament that um in the that Nehemiah went through where he said he he was sad and he lamented. He pondered within himself and he lamented. And and I think that is one of the key things that that we have to remember as, as a church that um, that unless so it's the same same concept unless our hearts break for the things that are going around us we're, we're unless we acknowledge the brokenness even within within our own lives um, God is not going to I'm not going to say God is not going to move but we are less likely to move to Him if we don't recognize the brokenness. That's going on around us. So if we, um, so in, in the, um, let me read the, these verses um, 
just kind of get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. I'm going to stop right there. So there, there's this, this, um, this concept of lamenting. So what, what, what really is, especially in our culture, we don't like feeling sad, right? We already, we don't like, okay, we don't like recognizing the brokenness and other um, outside of us. Like we, we tend to, to try to solve things without actually facing or without us feeling what other people are feeling so part part of you know missions or part of what what we as christians like our this the church has to be able to lament the things that are going around them so that is what's going to move um, our heart towards god so if you take our current situation in, in our society you got to ask yourself, what, what are things that should break us, that we should lament? Like for me personally, and, and that's, since this is a small group, we're a small church, like feedback's okay. Like for me, honestly, what breaks me is the division in the church, where it's become so political, where you have liberal churches, conservative churches, we have, um, you cannot walk into certain churches and say you're a Democrat because you'll probably get beat up and get kicked out. Same thing on the other side. You can't say you're a Republican because they'll probably beat you up and kick you out. Or as soon as you say you're a Republican, you're automatically a racist, right? As soon as you say you're a Democrat, you're a Marxist, socialist that controls the media. So it, it's, it's, and that's in our church. Like I've heard both sides being preached. Another thing that breaks me is just what teenagers, young adults are going through. You know, it's, it's hard enough. Imagine when you were 14 years old, how hard that was, trying to figure yourself out. And then you have all this other crap going around you. You have pandemics and you have um, now even 14-year-old kids are political. I'm like, when did that ever happen? <laughs> you know, so that, and, and maybe that can be, um, we'll take that as our conversation starters for our group. I wanted to do things a little bit different. And, and really, if you guys can get in groups, like, what are something that you lament? And then we're going to pray about those things. Because we, we have to be able to open our, open our eyes to what's, what's around us. So if we may, maybe take a quick um, four or five minutes, and then we're going to pray um, those things that, that we've noticed that should bring brokenness, um, that we should lament, in other words. The back table, we're talking about some very similar um, lack of grace, right? To around, especially within the church. Or he, Pat mentioned specifically when pastors fall, how they're demonized. Like we're all fail failures, right? In our own own ways, but yet we don't extend the grace that, that's needed to um, to pick them back up. Um, and we see that a lot. We've tend to, we tend to see that more in publicized cases like um 
we'll call them celebrity pastors, right? When we've seen that happen around us. Um, so the, really is, is going back to the foundation of prayer. And, and sometimes we don't take the time to, to have these discussions. So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray about these things that, that were discussed. All right, Father, um, kind of doing things a little bit different, Father, and, and, and as awkward sometimes as we may feel praying out loud or, or sharing our prayers and our thoughts to people around us, Lord, I, I really want us to get into this practice, Father, of recognizing the, the brokenness and around us, Father, and just lamenting, Lord, that you, for the failures of humanity. And I pray that you break our hearts, Father, for, for things like the abuse of the elderly, Father, when we see um, elderly people not being taken care of, Father, that, that they tend, when, when we see abuse going on instead of um, people helping, Father, when we see that lack of attentiveness to Scripture, Father, where we tend to proof text things and tend to pick and choose what we want to follow um, and, instead of taking your word, Father, um, seriously, Lord. I pray for the lack of grace that we show other people. Um, and sometimes, sadly, Father, it's your church that doesn't that has that lack of grace, um, Lord. And, and I pray, Lord, that in that is we cultivate the love um, that you have called us to, to be to other people where we can show and demonstrate who you are to them, where we can show, extend the same grace you've shown to us when we can show the world around us, Lord. Um, I pray, Father, for the deceit and the division that has crept into your church where we tend to to be more political, Father, instead of being um, guarders, being, instead of standing for, for your word, instead of standing for the truth, Father, um, where we prefer, Lord, to, to make a political statement rather than shutting our mouths, Lord, and just, and just praying for the people around us, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we take this practice, that Access Church may, may take this practice of lamenting the brokenness around us, Father, and that we may have, um, that we make, make it a habit to bring them towards you, Father. That we pray, Lord, um, all this in the name of your Son. Amen. Um, going back to, to verse 8, um, one, of, one of the things that, that we see, sorry, I'm going to make you guys move back and forth. Okay, touching three prayer points. Um, um, one of the things that, that we notice is that lamenting always leads to confession. Okay, because as you start praying for brokenness, you start noticing that there's brokenness in you. You start noticing that there's brokenness in, in the church, right? Um, and, and then you, you, start notice, you start asking yourself, have I been attentive to the elderly? Have I been attentive to God's word? You know, like, have I cultivated love and shown grace around me? You know what I mean? So these things that we've brought up, now you start, like, having this inner dialogue. Like, hey, have I, the Holy Spirit starts moving inside of you. Have I done these things? So, and, and we see this, you know, even, um, like, every, we'll call it the, the political unrest that's been going on. Have I been, have I participated in that? You know, have I participated in, in the carelessness of, of words that has led people to that have stirred anger in other people. Have I misplaced my hope uh, in something else instead of Jesus? Uh, do I place my, my hope in things that aren't really going to save me? Um, and, and, and that was really hard. And I'm personal note, that was very, 
it, it seems that um like you you i have a lot of i'm gonna call them conservative friends and it's really hard like it saddens me that that they miss that place hope in, in a political figure right like no politician's gonna save your life and no politician's gonna make your life better you cannot moralize um what's the word i'm looking for politicize any legality and any morality you, you like n no law is going to make this world a better place only christ is going to do that and only bringing his kingdom is going to do that and but you have to ask yourself have like have you sought to fight in the human realm rather than the spiritual realm like we're we're all these things um so in going into Nehemiah's prayer, verse 8, where he says, um, no, no, going back to, let me go back to verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the, the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Mo Moses. The word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Stopping there. So, confession. Lamenting leads to confession. Okay? Not going to make you guys confess your sins to each other. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> but in, in reality, like, in, in just kind of inner dialogue. And we can walk through this prayer um, together. But it's it's really, it's, it, in all the book of Nehemiah, you do not hear anything that he's done wrong. Obviously, he's human, right? But he's confessing on behalf of his people. If, when um, Brian went through the book of Daniel, if we read the book of Daniel, he's confessing on the behalf of his people. So there, there is this idea of when we come to God, like we have to bring the sins of, of not just ours, but of, of, the, of our culture, of our nation, of our world, before God, like we, we need his grace, right? So there's an idea, the idea is confession. Um, so it's, it, it's, both um, personal and corporate. Like if you look at, if you looked at the church in the past year, have you heard anything that the church, and I'm talking about like the, um, not just necessarily our church, but the big church. I, have you ever heard something and you thought, well, we could have done things differently or, well, that was a screw up. Like we hear, <laughs> we hear it left and right. Um, you know, something that Pat brought up, it's the, even um, when you have such publicized pastors, as soon as they do something wrong, guess what? The whole world finds out. Um, so you you have, um, we all have, um, one, one of the things that, that, that Christine said that really made me think right now is the lack of attentiveness to God's word, right? If you ask, even for all, even people that go to church, if we ask some basic questions of who God is, I guarantee you we're all going to have different answers. And some of those answers are not even going to be in the Bible. 
It's just things we've heard other people say. Like, it, it seems like we all have different versions, a different picture of who we think God is instead of going to the Bible and getting the description of what His Word says He is. And, and that, to me, is something that we need to work on. We need to work on getting into our Bibles. We need to read our Bibles because we tend to think God is what the, some radio host tells us who he is or some podcast or even um, some political figure tells us who he is. Like how many, how many times do you hear God bless you? Like if you go to the grocery store and you put in the, those dollars in the St. Jude's Charity and the cashier says, God bless you. Is that the God that you, like, you don't even know what she means by that, right? Or, or even, even in when, um, usually our presidents tend to bring up God a lot. Like, we have to realize that not when we hear people mention God, most of the time is, I'm not going to say most of the time, a lot of the time is not the God of the Bible. But you have, we as individuals have a responsibility to get into the Bible and know who he is. Because if we don't know who he is, it's going to be really easy to, for this deception that has crept into the church to take over our minds. And I would like that to be part of um, a, maybe a corporate confession that we address um, and maybe we can t if we take another couple minutes and see what, what other things do as, as a church. We're not going to do individual confessions, but you're going to pray for those in a minute too. But as a church, what are some things that you think we need to confess? And some, another thing that, that was shared back there too is um, how sometimes we tend to think think that when things go bad, it's because God's not there. And when things are going good, God is there. Like we have that mindset of to measure God's presence with the success going on in our lives or um, around us. Um, so it's going, going back to getting into the Bible, which is if, if we remember um, the temptation that Jesus went through, Satan used the word of God. And Satan's really good at twisting, either shrinking or expanding God's word. He'll do that to you really fast. He'll, he, he's very versed <laughs> in God's word. But we have to be better versed in, know, in knowing God. And as a church, showing um, the spirit of God to the people around us. Um, the, the other thing is um, we tend to go through. How should I say this? We, we, we're living in a times where it's easy to fight. And dismiss the person next to us, right? We, we want to fight about everything. And, and right now, the big thing is, is uh, the pandemic, vaccines, and, and our, our political environment. And But remember, church has to look different. And, and Jesus, remember when Peter ripped, um, cut off the, the ear of um, the, um, the soldier as he was getting arrested? One of the things that he said to him is like, don't, Peter, don't you think I can call legions of angels to come down? Like, this is not the way of the kingdom. That was my paraphrase. The way of the kingdom of God. That's what we have to walk in through. And if you look in the book of Revelation, who's the one that, that defeated Satan? It was the lamb. 
It was Jesus the Lamb. And, and although he is powerful and he will rule um, in all his might, but it's very interesting that it was Jesus the Lamb that defeated Satan. So that makes that has to make us think that spiritual warfare is not what we think it is. We have to fight according to to the Spirit of God. We have to fight according to God's way, according to to the kingdom. And the most powerful weapon that you have that is probably the least utilized is prayer. And as best as we can, okay, because sometimes it's it's hard because we we think we don't know how to pray. But what we just practice right now is prayer. And that's what we will continue pushing ourselves. It's to go into this foundation of prayer because that is what's going to um, defeat the culture and bring an outpouring of God's spirit. So as we finish up, let's pray. And then we'll walk into a time of worship. Father, as best as we can, Lord, we come before you and confess. We confess our our lack of attentiveness as a church. We confess looking like the people around us, Father. We confess how we measure success as a measure of your presence. Father, we, we confess just the, the idols in our lives, whether that be money, success, or, or whatever that may be, Father. The best we know how, Father, we're coming before you and saying, Lord, forgive us. Lord, we need help. Your church needs you, Father, and your church needs needs you in such a way, Father, that's going to be a light to the people around us, Father. So as we walk into this time of worship, Father, I pray, Lord, that that your spirit, Father God, be, be, be moved within our hearts and within our souls, Father, and that will bring truth into our lives, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.